So good afternoon, everyone. This is Deborah Harris once again with Reclaiming Grace, the Rebuild. Um, I thank you all that have joined me in the community thus far on this journey from the evangelical church to the front lines of the social justice movement. Um, thus far, we have talked about why I left the evangelical church, what turned me around and had me um, really challenge myself in faith. Um, how friends have challenged me, how the movement has challenged me, what liberation for me looks like in the church. And today our episode is titled, Whosoever Will, Let Them Come. And I wanted to talk about this in a way in regards to having open arms to different communities um, with regards to how faith and religion and the social justice movement can work and should be working hand in hand. And in order to do that, I really wanted to bring on persons that were from different walks of faith than myself. If we're gonna really talk about interfaith and religion and faith, you know, it's best to get opinions and expertise from other persons um, from the social justice movement, from other persons from the faith community and what it looks like, you know, for them and how they've been influenced by faith and religion and how they use that um, while they are fighting um, social justice issues. And so um, we're gonna have three different standpoints. You all are very used to mine, which is from you know an evangelical free background, but we also have a guest, two guests today, um, one from the Muslim background and one from the Jewish um, background. And so I'm very honored. And so um, one of our guests, she is a rabbi, <laughs> a teacher of theology and religion at a few universities. And her work, the bulk of her work revolves around anti-racism and police accountability and undocumented immigrant rights. And most recent growing the network and campaigning for Never Again campaign, which is really looking at the Jewish community, like really fighting for immigrant rights and what's happening with ICE. Um, in our nation today. And her name is Rabbi Vera Elman. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great. <laughs> um, my other guest today, um, love her. Um, I first started working with her with the Women's March kind of in the very beginning. Um, she is the head of the Women's March chapter in New Mexico and is a human rights activist and organizer herself um, for Palestinian rights and, and women's rights, just to name a few. Um, she is a mother of nine, which I just recently learned, <laughs> which means she has a lot of power behind that name um, and a lot of love to give for sure. And her name is Miss Samia, as said. And Miss Samia, can you introduce yourself? Say hi. Hello, how are you? So thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Um, I knew very early on that I definitely needed that it was critical to talk to women, especially across different faiths um, in the social justice movement. I wanted to learn from different women because the faith community is near and dear to my heart. Um, it's pretty much my ground, my foundation. But as I've moved into social justice work, I've been noticing, you know, our differences and commonalities and having um, diversity in these conversations is important because one, it's helped me mature a ton um, in this work. And so I just, we had some questions today we were gonna um, talk to you all about from that standpoint of whosoever will let them come. Like, what does that, 
mean to me? What does that look like in other faiths and religion? How, how do we express inclusion? Um, how do we express grace and giving room to other people that may not worship like us, look like us, live like us? Um, but how does it help us be, you know, transparent and so I've had the opportunity to work with both of these women um, Rabbi Barrett Elman I've been in several marches with you so far where <laughs> you've been right next to me we've been arrested a couple times together yes we have been in the clink <laughs> we have been in the clink um, together well, there are, it's done it's done if, it's, if you've done that together if you've done that together, it's like a wrap. Okay, you're you're like my sister. Yeah, and yeah. just um, even as we're like embarking upon like the one year mark with um, the Kavanaugh protests, I was just looking at pictures and I was looking at you right there next to me. And I was like, she's always right here next to me. Like, I love it. <laughs> um, and so really grateful to have you on today and, you know, work and workshops I've done with Miss Samia, um, and like the women's convention, really hearing, you know, even your point of view on why you're here in the social justice movement, what it means to be a Palestinian Muslim woman um, in this movement just really educated me, you know, and so you're both two very important voices uh, for me and for your communities and people need to hear from you. So thank you for joining me today. So we're going to dive right into the juicy stuff. Um, and just really get some insight as to, you know, who you are, why this movement, why now, and how you feel that other persons in your communities need to stand up, get active, get out there, and what kind of insight you can lend to, to other folks to encourage them to, to lock arms, to just lock arms no matter where you stand and to just let everyone come and what that looks like. So... Um, the first question I have for you, Rabbi Barra, is, um, you know, all three of us come from different backgrounds of faith and religion. And so I just wanted to hear from you, like, what do you believe our commonalities are, you know, as it pertains to the teachings mm -hmm. of showing grace, you know, forgiveness, inclusion, and then how do you feel like we should implement this? in our social justice workspaces? That's a great question. And it's, um, I mean, one obvious similarity that we have is that we are all three from the so-called Abrahamic um, faiths. Um, all seem to be descended from that same tree. And that's both a good, and, a, a good way to look at it and, and a complicated way to look at it. The mm -hmm. good way is that we are all, you know, sisters with each other, you know, theologically, our stories tell us that we are sisters um, of each other. At the same time, the histories of our tradition, of our various religions, have not always been as um, as positive about that relationship. Yes, um, you know, Judaism uh, is the oldest of the three, uh, and 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 the other hand. But on the other hand, it isn't really actually all that much older. One thing that many people don't realize is that Judaism is not quite the same thing as the Hebrew Bible, which is what Jews call mm. this text and what um, Christians call the Old Testament. Judaism really is a, is a religious tradition that started um, about 200 years before the birth of Christ, 200 BCE, with rabbinic teachings, and then with um, at, in around uh, 70 of the Common Era when the Temple of Jerusalem was destroyed, alternative ways of worship had to happen. And that's really where Judaism begins. So it is the older religion in the sense that our texts are the most ancient, 
Okay. But in terms of practices, it's not that much more. On the other hand, a lot of Christianity's origins were um, in the context of differentiating itself from Judaism, right? Judaism from Christianity. So that has had that has had complications over the history of the 2,000 years that we've been together. Yes, for sure. I think Islam has been less of a from, from the Jewish perspective, less of a of a um, oppositional religion. Um, in a lot of Jewish history, the Islamic world was considered more friendly to Jews than the Christian world was. Mm. Um, and so, and also in many respects, our religions are more similar in our, um, uh, our absolute uh, denial of what in Christianity is, is conceived of as a trinity. I know that's much more complex than just saying there now three gods, because I know that's not what it is. But, um, but we are very absolute on that. And also I think we're much more um, uh, based in law. I think, Islam, forgive me, correct me if I'm wrong, Samia, but I think that Islam uh, shares that from Judaism, the idea that law and how our interactions are a way of expressing our relationship to God. Mm. Yes, that's, I, I agree with that. Sorry, there's a police guy. I can't, I gotta stop for a second. Okay. So did so, I answer your question, Deborah? Um, so, I mean, you did, um, is when we look at like, cause I know I wanted to be educated, you know, how our commonalities, you know, show themselves like in real time, in real life and, and what are some of the differences within our faith. And then like, even with that, you know, like how are we using those, you know, our laws and practices, you know, to, to show up in social justice yeah. work. You know, yeah. what does that look like for you? So then I'll add one more thing. I think one thing that all three traditions hold very um, central is this idea that we are all created in God's image. Yes. And that, that, that's not just a simple statement. I mean, it can sound like a, a pat statement, but when you think about what it really means, it means that when I look at you, I see God. Yes. When I look at anyone, and I actually have in the last couple of years, very intentionally tried to live this way where I walk down the street and I say, that person in front of me, that is the face of God. This person who's maybe behaving in a irritated way. I bet God gets irritated sometimes, you know? So <laughs> that's the face of God. Um, and to really take seriously what that means, that mm. um, if we all are, then we have an obligation to each other that is comparable to our obligation that we have to God. So I think that that, that idea is present in all three of our religions and obviously not all practitioners take it uh, in the same way but for me that is something that i think we share this this sense of the, the the value of human life and our obligations towards our fellow human beings based on the fact that we are all created from the same divine source and that's and that's really important that you say that because i think that's what shifted me honestly into social justice workspaces because I was like being subconsciously taught that we're different mm -hmm. you know as Christians and it and that allowed like bias and indifference to like take root and I didn't like a lot of it I didn't even know instead of just seeing people through the lens of God's eyes like that's God's child no matter how interesting they're behaving <laughs> or no matter how I disagree that that is still a creation of God. So how do I, how do I then react to things that 
make me twitch or how do I then place myself in their shoes? How do I then show empathy? How do I then even begin to define what grace can look like? You know, because I see you, I see your dignity that you are um, God's creation. So it's really important. And I really love that even amongst all three, um, we hold that at least as a core value, or we should even more so, um, and act in that space more often. Um, Samuel, did, did you have anything to add to that? Well, you just touched on it. It's mercy and dignity. Okay. And that's exactly uh, what binds us as community of faith. Mm-hmm. We can get into... Oops. Are you there? I think you lost it for a moment. Just a moment. But um, I'm sure she'll be back. Don't everyone worry. I'm sure she'll be back. But um, yeah, so it is It is important for us to look at it through that lens. Like, um, And so I think even from that lens, like that is our connective tissue. Even if we can't find anything else, let that be our connective tissue. And so um, Rabbi Barra, I was talking to you the other day about like our pillars are people of influence, you know, in our religions and faiths. And I know mine, of course, the Christian faith, evangelical faith is Jesus Christ. And I had to really take a hard look, you know, push everything aside that I've been taught and just look at his walk myself and really look at how his activism, that's how I look at it personally, how his activism, you know, influenced me to be more brave um, and to be more compassionate and, you know, empathetic and active. And so I wanted to know from your standpoint, like who were those people or prophets of influence that, that you look to? Because I just have a feeling that a lot of times in religion and faith, we try to just we try to separate ourselves when there's there's so many common threads and so many connected tissues. And a lot of times we've been taught not to look over there. Like they don't get it. Those that community doesn't understand. We're never gonna agree, but there's so many connective tissues within faith. And so as as my you know pillar and person is Jesus Christ, like what is yours? Like who, you know, maybe that that body looks like that you look to when you step out into social justice spaces. So that's great. I, um, I, I'm going to answer it a little differently than I did when we spoke before. I mean, okay. in, one, in one respect, when you say, you know, in Christianity, it's Jesus. In Islam, it's, it's Muhammad. The obvious third one for Judaism is Moses. And that's true and not true. I mean, periodically, people invoke Moses who left Pharaoh's house to go save his people, led the people, was the lawgiver. Um, but that's not really so much, um, I think, at least for me personally, that is not what drives me, the Moses model. Okay. Um, what does drive me is much more the rabbinic tradition, again, going back to the idea that that's where Judaism begins. And it's really a core concept that animates my Jewish life. And this is the dialogue, the idea of dialogue. It's actually, so in the biblical tradition, I'm a, I'm a scholar of the Hebrew Bible. One thing I love about it is that there are many, many different ideas about God that are in conversation with each other. There's not a single, um, single picture of what God is like, what God wants, how we are supposed to relate to God. It's really um, multiple perspectives that exist side by side. And that 
dialogue, that willingness to entertain multiple ideas is something that the rabbis who basically are the, are the founders of Judaism um, embraced. And they used a um, expression, which is a really beautiful expression uh, to, to um, illustrate this. The expression, I'll say it in Hebrew, but I'll translate it for y'all, is ilu ve'ilu divarim Elohim chayim. These, these words, and also these words are the words of the living God. Yes. And this expression is meant to say, okay, I have a truth to teach, but mm. I don't have a monopoly on the truth. And you may also have, a, have the truth to teach. And these are both teachings of God. And the willingness to um, respect other, other teachings, other truths, and to the humility to recognize that I don't have the whole truth or my tradition doesn't have the whole truth. Yes. It doesn't have the whole truth about God. I think it has very important things to offer, but I don't think it can claim to have dealt with everything. I mean, I, I, mean, I know that it can't, can't claim that. There are a lot of um, ideas that, that are not as central and therefore get overlooked um, that I, I think Christianity brings to the table and that Islam brings to the table that are really valuable and, um, and in a way, we are blessed that we have these different perspectives since none of us is really able to, I think, capture the wholeness, the fullness. Right. And I, I, that is, like I said before, like that term, that teaching, like really gives a lot of power that we need in the right way. Um, operating from that standpoint, I, I just want you to say it again. These words and also these words. <laughs> yeah, these words and also these words are the words of the living God. And and when you said and how you broke it down, it's like we don't have a monopoly on the truth. You know, and I think what and I think, but we, we know through history, you know, we know through history that because people have tried and developed monopolies on the truth. That's where a lot of toxic supremacy and separation and power has come from. Because it's like, I'm right, you're wrong. This is how it's done. This is not how it's done. And we just completely erase each other. And we erase the fact that we are still ignorant and still learning. We are not God. We will never know everything. <laughs> you know, we will never be able to truly, truly understand the inner workings of these humanities and you know our dignities but we can at least give space and i think working from that very just transparent space you know helps to decentralize power decentralize that monopoly and it brings back a calling to humanization mm -hmm. of of everybody mm -hmm. um we have just gotten so used to erasing folks because they disagree, because they look different, because they worship different. Mm -hmm. And we know that a lot of this has stemmed from religious places mm -hmm. because of power, because mm -hmm. of the need for it, the need to be right, the need to have a uh, monopoly on the thing. And so I know for me, when, you know, looking at it from this lens of, you know, being a Christian, I've had to look at how has the church, my church, harmed humanity? okay well then how have I been harmed hmm. okay you know how do I heal from both of those how do I intentionally step into this space knowing both sides of that coin how do I know what the monopoly of truth has done not only to me but to other people and so it's a lot to face it's a lot of truth to face 
when you operate from the space where you just said that none of us has a monopoly on the truth, has a monopoly on God. We have to see each other and one another. <laughs> and each of us holds a bit of truth. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to see if, if Sammy is back on. I am on. Sorry. Okay, I, awesome. got, I, got, I got cut off on my last statement. Sorry about that. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty to hear more from Bara. We don't get enough of this conversation, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a Muslim, I've like I'm a third generation American Palestinian, and I feel like the Muslim religion has been left out of the mainstream and has been pretty much left out of that conversation of morality uh, as it relates to the general public, as it relates to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I feel like I've been gypped out of that uh, opportunity to kind of contribute. So yeah. as I've grown up, uh, and Bera is a, a rabbi, for me, my experience jumping into social justice was uh, through my kids as they get involved with youth programs and introduced me to the issues in the communities and the real problems on the ground that were not introduced in education, right? Right. So we understand that there are structures that separate us. There are systems that separate us. Uh, and it's done by design, right? Yes. So we have to, I, I, I discovered my journey for, for, and my purpose in life was to really get involved with different communities. And I do look at the Prophet Muhammad as a role model for me. I look at the te his teachings and, and the way he lived his life. He lived, he lived a very short life. His prophecy was 23 years. And the way he took a, a jahiliya, or a very ignorant Arab uh, uh, community back in the Arab Peninsula, it had been a couple of centuries since Christ. I mean, what, six, seven hundred years since Christ. And then, um, and then you have this man who came and said, the message of religion is really to be merciful, is to be uh, one that is based on human dignity and human rights, no differentiation in religion yes. or color or race or gender, to give the poor, to, to take care of our women, to take care of the children. Basically, he set a social justice agenda, human rights agenda back in 1400 years ago. So the way he, he, he did that, and, and within 23 years, the peninsula changed. And that for me, uh, made me understand he did it person by person. Everybody had responsibility to take action and to be active and yes. to role model what religion is. Yes. So each one of us is responsible for our place on this earth and what our religion or our cumulative religions ask of us. Because like I'm a Muslim, I believe in all the books. I'm obligated to believe in all the the the, uh, the uh, prophecies and the original context, of course, and I'm supposed to be inclusive of different people. I mean, you're on Earth, not to be, not to be exclusive to you, to your silo. We were meant to spread brotherhood and humanity amongst different tribes all around the world. It's not just for one specific area. Exactly. So, that's, and that's what drives me to go into many different places. And I've been humbled and I love to learn. And I feel like the more I learn, whether it is God willing, I learn with Bara and I've learned from the indigenous communities. I've learned from, from different churches and that I've had the privilege to work with Reverend Barber. He's inspired me immensely and 
and the community around him, I've grown to be a better Muslim because I understood what my message is. I love that. And, yeah, and, love and, that. and it's important you have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. I love really, that. Really, what does that mean? Yes. Right. And that's, I, I can say the same for me as an evangelical Christian. I've learned to be a better Christian. <laughs> like, I feel like I've learned to be the type of Christian that Christ encouraged me to be, showed me how to be. Um, yes. But you get, you get sucked into legalism or you get sucked into like, like, you know, um, Rabbi Bear said, like, having a monopoly on power where you just forget how to care. <laughs> you know, you forget how to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You forget to see that other person's dignity, the other community's dignity. And it just takes away from your experience. It's taken away from my evangelism. It's taken away from me being a disciple. And I had to really pull myself away from that. So it's, it's so encouraging to hear from you women on how your faith and religion has just really just gone a step further how you practice and and calling you in to be like better you know servants you know in this space servants while we're here for however long we're here um and so that that kind of leads me to my next question when we talk because you know let's keep it real women are going to get it done that's just what it is and <laughs> it's always been that way women yes. get it done <laughs> and so both of you, for me, are very strong women in your communities and your faith with your voice. Um, you take action. You do what you're going to do. You don't hold back in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's just like, how do we as women of faith make room and contribute to transformative work in policy and legislation? You know, I was speaking to some folks that come from the evangelical faith and they barely want to get out there and actually do the work or step into different communities. It's like, it's scary or it's too much. Like there's just a lot of disconnect, but it's like, Hey, we, we need to go further. We need to make room and, and create voice when it pertains to policy and legislation and eradicating oppression and marginalization um, and creating equitable spaces. So how do you feel that women, especially women of faith, are, are going to do that? Or what experiences have you had to have a voice or say um, with policy and legislation? Uh. I'm gonna think on that one for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm sort of, yeah. Um, hmm. Well, how did you do it? Yet? Okay, so it, it, yeah. Why don't you talk? Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, I know for me, it's um, it was it was really hard, um, especially like coming from the background I come from. Um, generally speaking, I am pro-life, but when I look at like the healthcare system for women it's not okay. Like it doesn't sit well with me. A lot of things have touched home, especially with my own family members, my own sister, my own baby sister. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that although I'm, I'm, I'm a, a woman of faith and I have this personal stance for myself, I cannot allow that to jeopardize life for other people. Mm -hmm. Like pro-life doesn't stop at this one point. When I look at the work of Christ, he was pro-life for anybody, everybody. You know, you know, everybody was healed. Everybody was fed. You know what I mean? 
salvation given to all folks. And so even with that, I've had to learn how to fight and testify, you know, in hearings and, and things of that nature, being a courtroom advocate, you know, being a healthcare advocate and, and using my faith and, and trust in what I saw Christ do. And I learned what Christ do to, to spear me forward and, and fighting for other folks and fighting for their lives. And, um, being a voice that isn't stuck on one end of the spectrum, so to speak. Um, and so, like, I've had to educate myself a lot. You know, why is this bill written this way? You know, this excludes this this group of folks. You know, this excludes women of color. You know, this excludes, you know, poor folks. You know, I've, I've had to really put a pin in my personal beliefs so it didn't affect humanity moving forward. Um, and I think that's a way like, like I've had to do it. Um, and so even like making calls and, you know, petitioning and writing folks, um, and then speaking to other people like me, like teaching them how to make room for all of humanity, all of us at every stage of life. Um, and that has helped me be more transformative and more, um, pliable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, help me move when necessarily early on, I didn't know how or didn't want to. Okay, I think I'm ready to also step in now. So um, for one thing I wanted to say, because your listeners don't know this, but um, I'm a white woman. And I say that because one of the things when we talk about women's power, and I do believe in women's power, I remember the women's convention I went to an all women's college, but the women's convention was just like so energizing to see all these women and that power in one room, power in a good way, I hope. But as a white woman, I know that in a lot of the feminist world, it's been, um, it's, white women have been at fault in failing to recognize other women, women of color, indigenous women, women, and it's been also started out as a relatively well-off movement. Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique was about suburban housewives, you know, uh -huh. they were bored because they didn't have enough to do. I mean, that's a pretty privileged um, burden to deal with. So I'm very aware of that as a, that, that, that when I am thinking of working with women and, and joining up with women of consciousness that I don't want to repeat that error. Um, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to take up space when others can take it up. And I don't always succeed in doing this, but I, I, I wish I were more consistent in it. But also when even looking at policies, um, history has told us that too often when negotiations and compromises come through, the, the, the women, the people who win are the white women and the issues that are, that, that are different, have, have different ramifications across um, uh, race and ethnicity and economic divides often get excluded. So I really am conscious of as a woman trying to make the change. And I agree with you. I think women can do this and we have yes. to do Unfortunately, men have been socialized too long to think in ways that are, <coughs> I shouldn't say that. I have hope, I have hope for men. Men will be, men, men are going to catch up. But, yes. <laughs> um, but that women, but that, but also, but I have to be very aware that I, I, I bring both my women um, marginalization, but also my white um, privilege. And I want to make sure that I'm very aware of that. So um, that's one thing I want to say. But also, as a woman, I think that, um, you know, because of much of our history, we haven't been have been in power. We have an opportunity to think about using it differently and conceptualizing it differently. It doesn't have to be about 
hierarchy. It can be about linkage um, instead of, you know, and, and it can be about nurturing rather than um, overcoming someone else. So I think that we have patterns that we can use and harness and try to um, bring into the way that we um, think about power and, collect and collective action. Um, so that's kind of where my hope is in terms of working with women across our, our, our lives. Then the other thing, as you said about the faith part, um, you know, Judaism is, Judaism is, is, a, is a very diverse religion and there are many people in the Jewish world who are very parochial and see the obligation of Jews as really limited to the Jewish world. And, um, and I'm aware of that. So I don't want to make it sound like Judaism is like this perfect, you know, liberal thing. It, it has its, like every other religion, it has its, it has its um, uh, regressive and, and right-wing aspects. But I think that the obligation of recognizing that, first of all, that the Jewish community is very diverse. There are people of all kinds of backgrounds in, um, in Judaism. There are people right. of all colors and races in, in Judaism. So being aware of that and, and elevating those voices. And also, um, where I think harm has been done, because you mentioned that, you know, I mean, partly it is that parochialism. And alas, and Sammy, I wouldn't, you know, we, maybe this is not the time for this discussion, but I, it's a discussion I'd love to have with you. You know, once Israel, once Jews got power in the form of the state, uh, we showed it, we showed how that kind of power is corrupting, um, that that model is, you know, in sort of doomed to be oppressive. And we have an obligation to learn from that and not repeat it. Yeah, we really do. Um, we really, really do. Thank you for your answer. I already know we're going to have a part two with you ladies. Because um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to get to the, the last question. And the last question is a good question. And it, it might take some more time. But I wanted to hear from you, Samia, really quickly on this. And we're going to close it out for our guests. Um, so Samia, go ahead. Really quickly, thanks. You left me on the on bars. <laughs> Barry's comments will take about five shows at least. And, um, <laughs> as a Palestinian American, I, I I hear you and I thank you, Barry, for that observation. And that and that's and that's the power of of, of women. Uh, we think differently. We operate differently. Um, patriarchy has definitely had a big uh, uh, impact on how we view religion. And I believe our role as women is to actually take that ownership back of religion. Right. And it could start uh, uh, with the policies, definitely um, addressing, as a Muslim American, I've been part of impacted and targeted uh, communities. Uh, we've had collective punishment on, on, on the Muslim community uh, as a whole. And I see the links between different uh, other um, different religions for sure but for the most part different communities uh especially people of color you see uh the uh the the community uh, uh of immigrants here i'm in new mexico i see it firsthand with the border crisis right it is horrifying i know religion in the world would allow for a child to get raped or separated from his mother. I think all of us can agree on that. Right. And that's something I would definitely, I think all of us can agree. Women can come together and faith has to play a role in that. Yes. I have a big problem with the church turning a blind, uh, their bl a blind eye to what's happening on the border. 
Yes, ma'am. And I, 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 you know, I'm ready to work on that with any one of you uh, as it relates to a for-profit prison. That's another one we have to talk about. Yes. What is, you know, uh, uh, restorative justice when it comes to, to addressing this and how, how can we uh, uh, change that in policy and what impact can we have on our uh, legislatures? Mm -hmm. As it relates to foreign policy, you know, Bari, it's it's important for me as a Palestinian American and as a Muslim to be present because our lack of presence in many of these spaces doesn't has been a disservice to justice mm -hmm. to for all of us because it hasn't been informed mm -hmm. by uh, by different voices and impacted community. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we have. Uh, a bond as a sisterhood to work to, with one another, also to advocate for one another, mm -hmm. stemming from our belief in our uh, and dignity and humanity and equity for all of us, um, and also recognizing that we also have to represent ourselves, right. because there's there's unfortunately, like I said earlier, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry to hear more from other people. Mm -hmm. We've been divided. We've been in our own silos. Mm -hmm. We really haven't had the opportunity to build. The community we want and i am so looking forward to looking at building with all of you um we are definitely going to have a part two where we are I, I i want both of you back rabbi vera and sammy has said to come back and really as we talk about white supremacy and patriarchy and how that separation has happened and how we get that power back and really look at restorative justice and how we break down the pillars together. I think I want to schedule another show with you ladies really soon, but I, I thank you both for joining Reclaiming Grace, the rebuild today. I have been like dying to talk to you both. And this is education for me. Um, it's definitely going to help me be more transformative and transparent and humble and present for sure. So I thank you both for joining me today and I hope that our audience enjoyed it. So we'll be talking to you soon and join us next time. We're going to have these ladies both back really soon. So give us a quick goodbye, ladies. Thank you so much for inviting us to inviting me to join in with you. Thank you. Thank you for providing such a, a, a space of grace for all of us. Yeah. Bless you all. And we'll be speaking soon. Bye-bye.